0: Welcome back, everyone. Hola. This is episode 106. Uno 106. 106. You are listening to the Jiu Jitsu Dummies podcast brought to you by Black Belt Digital You're Marketing.
1: Listening to the Jiu-Jitsu Anything
0: Jiu-Jitsu. you need to build your business on and offline. Oh, look, I just happen to be wearing a shirt today. Right. Website design, Google Ads, graphic design, printing um, can absolutely help. Our, I would say our flagship product is. Reputation management. where we help you get found more in your in your area? Get your Google Business profile found more, so you get more phone calls, website visits, uh, even like restaurants and things like that. Get direction requests. People just walk right in. You
1: don't scrub those pictures from college in the frat parties. That kind of reputation. No, no not that no. kind of reputation management. Although we can help with
0: that as well. That's really just kind of falls under uh. regular SEO. But check us out at Black Belt Digital Marketing on Instagram, or our website is bbdigitalmarketing.com uh, i again reputation management being our, our core product you can request a free review of your online presence get a grade on kind of the individual aspects of your marketing uh, and uh, it's free so uh, feel free to to jump on and, and request my name is Milton Campus I'm a brown belt training out of South Florida Hi, I train out of <laughs> Jiu Jitsu for Life in Coral Springs I never say the, never. the gym name yeah. I, <laughs>
1: shout don't up. know why shout out
0: Bo behind the camera. Hi. Don't forget to like, comment, share. Click the subscribe button. I think the subscribe button and the and they, the they notification it back bell. To what it used to be. Right? Yeah, I'm almost positive. Yeah. I, I, every time I do it now, it's like if I follow somebody, the bell they automatically gets clicked. Shit. I think there may be a little drop down so that you can change it. You can change like your preferences. Yeah. On the subscribe, now they put it in a perspective. But yeah. when you do it, it, yeah. it automatically clicks the bell for you, so and you'll be. get alerts when we put out videos. And we're doing lots of shorts now. We've got a, a great guy helping us out with our social media stuff and 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 TikToks. So if you follow us, uh, our TikTok is Jujitsu Dummies Podcast. If you're following us, uh, go check it out. Or if you're not following us, go check it out. And, subscribe. and uh, we've got some really cool stuff. We're doing a lot of, like, you know, trying to do some funny stuff. and
1: Follow, uh, subscribe, really cool. dedicate your I'm life. I'm not
0: doing dances on TikTok, though. You know, I'm just, it's like we're putting out Maybe just you funny stuff.
1: In a G-string. No,
0: nah, I don't <laughs> think I'd do that. Joining us today, I'm super excited about this one, Bo. Uh, he's a fifth-degree uh, black belt under Henzo Gracie his name is Ricardo Almeida OG Um, I can I can just close my eyes and remember fights where Rogan and the commentators are are like saying Ricardo Almeida you know as he's coaching one of his fighters in the UFC so it's uh, it's amazing I'm super excited to have him on let's just do a a few quick shout outs and then we'll get him in here Uh, check out Flow and Roll we always say hands down the best custom gi and no gi gear in the business. There is nobody that's doing what flow and roll is doing when it comes to a pre-order system for your academy, for your gym. Get all your uh your gis and your no-gi kits. Get them done, get them uh, you know, printed and shipped to your students at very little out of pocket for you. So visit them on Instagram at flow underscore and underscore roll. Uh, check out their website at Um It's an amazing program. We did it for our pre order on our Rash Guard, excuse me, Rash Guard, our, our No Gi set. Um, it's amazing. Basically, you know, people order, and really the profits from those orders help pay for the bulk purchase for you buying more. And for a gym, what you're going to have in your academy, the stuff that you need to keep in stock. Those orders are going to help pay for that, and that's why you have very little money out of pocket. Okay, he even ships directly nice. to your students. Like if your student somebody orders a pre-order, he doesn't send it to you, then then you he give it to them. Ships. He sends it right yeah. to them. Not even a dropship. He's sending it just like a regular product from a website. Uh, they get a little. They use. It, it comes in a nice little bag. Sometimes he throws in some patches and some extra stuff. Um, every once in a while, we'll have some keychains for the jujitsu dummies that he throws in. So, number one, let me say I really appreciate Sean and all he does for the show. Thank you, Sean. Uh, you know. Uh, we haven't spoken in in a couple of weeks, but super, you know, just appreciative of, of everything you do for the show. He sends out our t shirts. Like if uh, uh, we give out t shirts to our guests, um, we send. A, out, yeah. He sends them out for us. Nice. Uh, he keeps them in stock for us, and and basically he he you yeah. know prints our our podcast t so. Sean's a special uh, the one with this dude. Logo. Great dude, man. yeah, yeah. and Get twenty percent off your online orders so if you just go order some t-shirts or a belt or what have you 20% off with code JJD so
1: cool beans
0: all right thank you to the bjj box we appreciate your support as well the jiu jitsu's favorite monthly subscription box is delivered to your door filled with premium jiu jitsu and a grappling apparel equipment supplements supplies snacks and more basically it's just a a box of cool stuff that you're going to use recovery stuff you know he's done uh, uh you know like power bars and uh um, energy drinks, uh, we had uh, like a beef jerky in one of them recently, yeah. but recovery items. You get a t-shirt in every order. There's different boxes you can order sometimes. Uh, you, know, you can foot, do it quarterly and get a ball. get a rash guard. Yeah, the, the spiky ball, my Your favorite. It's still, ball. it's still in my living room. It's just on the floor when I want to use it. I just
1: grab it. Like a cat, you roll around <laughs> on it. <you>
0: <laughs> <laughs> Funny enough, it, it looks like a
1: cat toy in the middle yeah. of the living room.
0: But check them out. You get about it's four to seven toy. items. In every single box, they guarantee that the cost of the box is going to be less than the value of the items inside that box. So... Uh, super cool. Every once in a while, too, you know, if you if you order, you'll get an email. Not every once in a while, but you'll always get an email, and it'll describe what's in the box. And sometimes you also get coupon codes for like instructionals or cool. uh, classes at at a gym or something like that, right? So he has sponsors that come on and do it that way. So there might not be something in the box, but that card may have a coupon code for uh, something that you can purchase online. Cool. So again. Coupon code JJD10 will get you $10 off your first order at TheBJJBox.com. All right? Uh, thank you to Neutral Zone Clean. You see the big bucket in the refill? Voila. right Neutral Zone Clean.
1: Like a million wipes in there. Yeah. <laughs>
0: 1,200.
1: Yeah. It's 1,200 it's close wipes. Close enough to a million.
0: Uh, check this out. They're still doing this bucket. Uh, we're doing the JJD Gift. So you get, it winds up being $10 and 99 cents off the regular price. So you get it for 99 bucks. This is great. If you're running a gym and academy or you had an event, right? Um, his son wrestles. So these are at wrestling events and look awesome. Just, you know, you know, we're, we're all about, you, you know, being clean you don't and, washing the value, your belt and all that crap.
1: You don't realize the value divide 1200 by 99. You'll so see. look. There
0: it is. I am down to my last couple of wipes. In I don't have that big thing in the door in my car. Yeah. I have the canister. <laughs> I keep on forgetting to bring it up. We're, we're running. A, we're running low, Mike. I feel bad. Your, I feel bad telling a sponsor like, "Hey, send me some stuff." Running put low. Put that in your cup holder. <laughs> <laughs> <Right. laughs> <Right. laughs> Run it low. Uh,
1: I keep on forgetting to leave
0: that. says but it was good that we have. Look, we have the bucket. I'm talking about the bucket. This is the refill. You see that I've been using the refill for my spray that I have at home. Um, check them out. It's. NeutralZoneClean.com, at NeutralZoneClean on Instagram and Facebook. Um, Black Belt Digital Marketing, my company, actually built the website. So uh, so super proud of that. But again, JJD Gift will get you 10.99 off of, of this big container. And if you order anything else from the site, they'll put that in. You get the free shipping on this as well. Okay? So again, yeah, it's... it's it gets you 10.99 off and free shipping for that bucket, so you can imagine like this is pretty right. expensive to ship. So they'll throw everything else in that uh, that package and, and uh, you'll get deal? everything for free.
1: And the regular deal?
0: Uh oh, that's right. Yeah. So if you order anything else from the site, you can use code JJD for 15% off. If you're buying wipes, the canisters, spray. the sprays, and yeah. so on. They have uh, they introduced uh, some uh, uh, some soaps, right? So they've oh, got regular right. soap now as well. Going, yep. So Listen, they're just—they're constantly adding new stuff. Check them out again. It's Uh Mike and Candy, the owners of the company, incredible, super fun to work with, easy to work with, and um, I think that uh, that this is going to give uh, cool. um, yeah. the one other company out there that's probably doing what I won't mention the name—it's giving them a run for their money. So, okay, you got anything else, Bill? I always ask that. Let me go. Anything yeah. else, Miguel? You got anything else, <laughs> you got anything else <laughs> yeah. We uh, No. Her. All right. <laughs> Let's get Professor Almeida in here. Let's do this. <laughs> hey, Professor. Thank you for joining us. Hey, guys. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. To- no worries. Uh, we were excited to have you on, and we're going to dive right in. Uh, there's plenty to talk about. Uh, I was just, it's funny enough, I was, uh, you know, when I do my research, I was watching a a, a podcast that you were on. And then it ended and it went into a Henzo uh, uh, podcast and it was just like, it was perfect because you kind of like, you know, you, you talked about him a little bit on the podcast and obviously you are Henzo's first black belt in the United States. Is that right? Yes. Is that uh, first the United- black belt ever yes. or is it just in the U.S.? No, no, I think he gave some black
2: belts before he moved here from Brazil. Okay first one here in the united states but Met sarah claims that he's the first american black belt even, uh, though, I even though i was born in the united states Met sarah doesn't consider me american uh, wait a minute say that again <laughs> even though i was born here in the u.s matt sarah claims is the first american american-born um hazel gracie black belt you know we always joke around with that
0: okay so do, were you really born here and then moved back yeah, man.
2: I was born in uh, New York. Uh, my parents were doing like uh, they were doing their master's degree when I was born. But then I grew up in Brazil. I grew up in Rio. Okay.
0: Ah, you, 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 there's an argument to be made there. <laughs> yes. Do you do you 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 still do you still see that group of guys? You know, Matt, Sarah, um, you know, Henzo himself. I know you named your son Henzo. We'll talk about all that stuff.
2: I mean, not as often as I would like, man. You know, those guys are uh they are and they have been a big part of my life you know matt as a as a training partner someone that's always pushed me and you know we had our, our ufc debuts together and of course hanzo as our teacher uh, i saw hanzo uh, a few weeks back uh, in new york uh matt i haven't seen in a little bit but whenever there's fights whenever there's something going on like we always touch base a little bit so i keep in touch with those guys for sure so i'm in florida th- now. the majority of the time we opened the school in florida okay so I am, you know, spending probably the majority of my time in Florida and then going back to New Jersey, like every couple of weeks.
0: Where are you spending right life. now? You're down here in Florida?
2: Yeah, I'm in Florida, just outside of Tampa, man.
0: Oh, okay. All right. Yeah, we're down. We're filming down in Miami. I live a little bit up now north of, of Miami, uh, train up to, uh, in Coral Springs, but uh, we come down to Miami where the studio is. And uh, uh, yeah, we film cool. down here. So... did you know, uh, we're going to, we'll talk about, you know, how you started jujitsu and all that stuff that everybody likes to hear about on the podcast. I'm very, very curious, your your kids, do they understand this? Do they understand who you are, who Henzo and, and Matt Sarah and these guys are? Do they realize, or is it just like, yeah, that's Uncle Matt, that's Uncle Henzo, and it's like no big deal. They could care less.
2: Yeah, man, I think for sure. You know, my kids grew up um, around fighting. Yeah even though they don't remember me fighting as much like you know they grew up with you know uncle frankie you know that's frankie edgar you know uncle eddie is eddie alvarez you know like so they've had these these crazy uncles that they grew up watching fight and and you know see their incredible victories and, and you know share some of the despair uh in defeat too for you know for some of the big losses and title fights and things like that but i think for sure the kids the Kids understand, you know, they've been to no gee pen with me, yeah. you know, they sat on the they've watched me compete, so for sure. And they're and they're you know, they're 20 and 18, so they have okay, they're very, older, all
0: right. Have, okay, I have a
2: very vivid memory of you know, me competing in jiu jitsu, uh, as well as you know, the MMA fights, especially for pranky Eddie and a lot of the more recent guys that fought
0: for sure. Do they do they train? I, I know I've, I've heard that your son trained, do, do, does he still train and does your daughter train? So they- they both
2: trained, man, but my kids in, in high school, they got into track. So mm-hmm. the track practices were at the same time as jiu-jitsu. My son is actually running in college. Uh, he runs Division II, um track and cross-country. Okay. My daughter just got recruited also. They're actually going to go to the same school. She's going to run track and cross-country as well. So they both, uh, they both chose a different path than me, but I'm yeah. really proud of them. They worked very hard, man, like to be a... To be a collegiate athlete, uh, you know, on a scholarship, on an athletic scholarship is really is really, really high level.
0: Both of them? They are both on scholarships?
2: Yeah, they both on a That's awesome,
0: man. Congrats. Thanks. It's all them. You know,
2: I don't yeah. know nothing about running. <laughs> my running was my running was just to cut weight. That's it. That's yeah, all right. I know about running.
0: Yeah. The extent of my running is those five minutes during you know, during the warm-ups in class. <laughs> yeah.
2: I mean, and, and, and as the kids have gotten more into it, I've learned a ton. And I wish that I knew when I was still fighting, you know. Uh, I, I use a lot of it in just my own sort of maintenance training. I don't train, you know, with any hopes of performance these days. Maybe performance for a 46-year-old. But uh, I've learned a ton, and I wish I knew that back then. But, uh, yeah, it's been fun watching them grow into into the the two young adults that they are.
0: So, so now let's go back. Let's go back to... How did you get your start in jiu-jitsu? Where did this all start to play out for you?
2: So man, I grew up in Rio de Janeiro, you know, like uh, being a young uh, being a young man um, in the nineties, like a you know, like a teenager in the in the early nineties, and man, there was fights everywhere in Rio. It was just very different than here in the United States. My dad wanted me and my brother to know how to defend ourselves. My dad had actually done karate when he was um, when he was younger, you know, shotokan karate, and and that's what he knew. So he put us to do karate. And I did karate for like about a year. And I had a really good friend of mine, Marcelo Risenge. He actually runs Gracie Baja in Australia now. We were we were we were all throughout uh middle school together we also went to high school together so we we're talking and fighting you know like kids talking about vending movies and stuff and i'm like yeah man i'm doing karate and like he's like what do you mean you're doing karate man you gotta do jujitsu and i'm like oh man jujitsu no i'm not gonna go hug some dudes and stuff <laughs> but one day one day it finally convinced me to come uh try out a class at gracie baja i mean that was it i just fell in love and you know that was over 30 years ago and you know here I am still in love with jiu-jitsu and kind of it still feels like the first day
0: i i heard i think it was henzo talking about this i've heard him talk about in interviews you know like jiu-jitsu and 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 let's say mma i won't say martial arts in particular but jiu-jitsu and mma like everybody thinks like oh it came like it was so popular in brazil and then it came here it wasn't looked upon favorably in brazil right it was more like kind of those thugs or or you tell me it it wasn't like it was what it is today. Now it's like, Oh, you do jujitsu. Like you're put on a pedestal. It wasn't like that back then. Is that right?
2: Yeah, man, not at all. You know, Brazil had this stigma of just being, you know, guys who fought in the streets and, and, you know, it was very misunderstood. Uh, and people weren't really into it, you know, like it was very, had almost a dark stigma around it you know from people getting in fights on the streets and things like that you know i guess um some instructors not really like teaching it the right way and their students kind of like cobra cry going around beating people up on the street (laughs) and yeah that's kind of what Jiu-Jitsu was you know like brazil is man you know i hate to say it maybe some of the brazilian people will be mad at me but like man we had jiu-jitsu there. We had MMA there and it took jiu-jitsu to be big in the United States. And it took jujitsu uh, MMA to be big in the United States for it to be accepted in Brazil, you know, I mean, jiu-jitsu got really huge as far as practitioners in Brazil, but for it to be accepted as like a main sport and, you know, it's a really cool sport and, you know, we have all these Brazilian champions. It wasn't really until we got bigger everywhere else that Brazil started accepting it, you know, which is kind of sad to be
0: honest. Yeah. So, for those that don't know, let's let's do a little bit of name dropping so that people really understand who you are. Um, and, and funny enough, and, and I'm going to be honest, I I didn't really notice it until today that it was there. But I follow Tom DeBlas, and I mm-hmm. see at the bottom of his logo, right? That's your name, right? That's your association, right? He's under you, is that right? Correct.
2: Yep. Yeah. Yeah, Tom was. Was my student since uh, since blue belt all the way up to black belt and and beyond. You know, He's so yeah, he was one of the one of the guys at the academy. You know, and uh, now he's like a big uh, a big celebrity. But yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> all yeah. of us are just guys at the academy. You know.
0: Yeah, yeah. So you have so you've trained with Tom DeBlas, you trained with Gordon Ryan, Gary Tonin, right? Once again, like you were. Teaching these guys jujitsu, all of these guys, right? At some point.
2: Yeah, either directly or indirectly. You know, Tom was my direct student. You know, he trained with me a ton. Like he would okay. come with me uh, you know, to New York to like uh he would do straight and conditioning up in North Jersey, like me, Frankie, uh Tom, a couple of the guys, and you know, we'll do straight and conditioning in the morning. They would go into the city to train John's class, and then Tom would come back to my house, he'll sleep in my couch. And then we would go take class at night at the academy. You know, when I would go teach, you go and take another class. Um, And then Gary was Tom's student. And when Gary went to university, he went to Rutgers University, which was about an hour, an hour and a half from Tom's school and like 20 minutes from my school. So during the time that that Gary was attending Rutgers, he was training at my school a lot of the time, you know? I coached him in a couple, uh, you know, a couple competitions, you know, we went to California together, you know, like he kind of slept on my floor, at my brother's house uh, for a couple of worlds or something like that. But yeah, I had a lot of, a lot of training and and contact with Gary, uh, a little bit less with Gordon. Cause Gordon was Gary's student and, you know, Gordon, one day, you know, this little scrawny, like little kid just starts coming to the academy with Gary every once in a while and you could already tell that he was super talented you know nikki ryan would come with him too like this little you know chubby little chubby little brother you know what i mean and and nikki ryan was the chubby little brother yeah nikki (laughs) ryan was like the chubby brother and gordon was already you know but also like you know this like skinny like man with gordon was incredible man i've only seen this happen twice like i've only witnessed it twice maybe other people have seen it before you know like gordon is like one day he was like a talented purple belt you know what i mean like and you kind of still see people catching him and stuff and and man like i trained with him maybe like 18 months later and i was just like what happened like who was <laughs> this in front of me and he wasn't even big yet you know like he was still small just good 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 like this might have been the time even before he won his first ADCC and, you know, I think the, the first time that he fought Felipe Pena, where he was already, like, winning and he was already showcasing his, you know, his incredible ability in Ogi, but he hadn't really, like, done the things that he had done before. But, man, he already believed it. He already knew that he was going to do it. And and kind of, like, all of us who were getting beat up by him already knew that he was going to do it, too, it was just a matter of time. But sometimes your your competitive uh, acumen takes a little bit to develop, right? Like your competitive acumen comes after the skill development, right? It's not all. Now you can beat everybody in the room and then you can go to a tournament and beat everybody. It doesn't always happen that way, you know? And it's been fun to watch uh, for Gordon as well as for Gary, you know, like to see both of them go from like young talents, you know, purple belts and then, you know, brown belts like you could already tell. You know their potential and how good they're gonna be, and then you know watch them both like take the world by storm. Um, it's been fun, man, and, and it's kind of like I feel like they're they just getting started.
0: <laughs> I, I, it's funny because I just saw really the first time that I've seen, let's call it live. I saw Gary Tonin fight this last one championship fight. Every every time I've seen him, it's always been on clips, and you know now that one championships on Prime, I'm I'm like yeah, I'm definitely gonna tune in. Uh, so I got to, I got to watch him fight the other day. Was there a point? You kind of mentioned it with uh, uh with Gordon like at that purple belt, like did you if you went back to that point in time were you were you really looking at him like and saying, "Oh God, this guy's going to be a star or is it, was there something that was standing out about that jiu Jitsu, him and Gary, either one of those guys, or was it just like you look back and go, "I can't believe those guys did this." look at where they are?"
2: Yeah, man, I think, you know, we've always had a big sense of pride on the on the no-gi level, like coming from Hensle school, you know, so we've always kind of like known where we all where we were in the packing order as far as no-gi, you know, from ADCC all the way up to the UFC, right? Like and, and no gi worlds, right? So I had been to Nogi Worlds with uh, Gary and this other kid that used to train with me a long time ago, uh, Max Bohannon, you know, they were two kids, they were really good, they trained together a lot, they both won Worlds, I think at the time Max won his purple belt and Gary won his brown belt, the Nogi Worlds, and it was almost kind of easy for them, you know, like it wasn't even that hard, you know, like you could tell that they were at a very high level in Nogi, and a little bit after that, Gordon came. But like I said, Gordon, you know, he went through this period where he was really talented, but he was kind of like a purple belt still, right? Like, he would still, like, make mistakes or maybe, like, move around too much. And then they started going to the city and training a lot, um, training a lot with, uh, you know, with John Danaher. And, then these guys would go, like, 6 o'clock in the morning, take the 6 o'clock in the morning class, sleep on the mats, take the noon class. You know, these two did a lot of sacrifices to get... To the level that they are and they put all this time and man, like 18 months later i trained with gordon and i was like yeah hey, what? what do you want and actually same thing happened to gary we were i was in vegas for frankie's fight and they had the ufc expo and they were doing like a grappler's quest there and gary either way he was competing when he was there to corner someone and it was right at this time where they started training a lot with john and, and john really started working leg locks with these guys and up until then, man, leg walks it was just like, man, like if you don't really know jujitsu, you do leg walks, right? Like, and boy, I trained with Gary, and man, I I had no idea what he was doing. Like, if I went <laughs> for a triangle, he would escape my triangle and leg lock me. Like, if I was playing guard, he would leg lock me. If I was on top of him, he would leg lock me. And I was like, man, what the heck is going on? Like, it was just a whole new game that now everyone has seen it. Still, people are playing catch up. But Gary was doing this maybe I want to say that now it's almost 10 years ago man. So it was you know, looked at almost it was as crazy. a crazy. I, I had never seen leg walk done that way. I never felt it done that way and Gary yeah. was just like he was like sla- laughing at me, you know. It was like, yeah, I know nobody knows this, you know. I'm it's kind of like it's kind of like our thing. But now it's a lot more um, you know, a lot more people see it and, and of course it's a big part of uh, a big part of no-gi jiu-jitsu. But, yeah, I think for both of them, there was, like, a specific training session where I remember, like, man, holy crap, like.
1: Thank you to Feito IT and AV, specializing in commercial and residential automation, security cameras, CCTV, POS, and more. Check them out at feitoitav.com or call 305-428-2515 and let them know the dummy sent you. Jiu-Jitsu's favorite monthly subscription box has now joined the Jiu-Jitsu Dummies podcast. The BJJ Box is delivered to your door filled with premium jujitsu and grappling apparel, equipment, supplements, supplies, snacks, and more. The crew at the BJJ Box find the best in the world of jujitsu and guarantee every box to be worth more than the cost. Each box includes four to seven items you're going to love. Visit thebjjbox.com and use code JJD10 to get $10 off your very first box. And give them a follow on Instagram at thebjjbox. Neutral Zone is Combat Family owned, so they know you need to keep yourself and your equipment clean. They created Neutral Zone Clean wipes and sprays for just that purpose. Neutral Zone products are formulated to reduce the risk of bacterial and fungal infections. Whatever's making you sweat, weight training, rolling on the mats, yard work, or just working around the house, Neutral Zone Clean wipes and sprays can make you feel and smell refreshed. Use code JJD to get 15% off your online order at NeutralZoneClean.com. While you're there, sign up for their newsletter to receive the latest info and updates on product launches like their new shower gel and soap bar coming soon. Are you neutral zone clean? Special thank you to the crew over at Flow & Roll for all their support. Flow & Roll is renowned for their incredible Nogi rash guards, shorts, and leggings. Flow & Roll has quickly become the premier custom apparel provider for academies big and small throughout the United States. Reach out today to discuss your custom order and ask about their incredible pre-order program. You can send an email to Flowenroll at gmail.com or visit their Instagram at flow underscore n underscore roll and shoot them a direct message. And yes, they can create an awesome custom gi for your academy as well. Visit flowenroll.com to check out their awesome designs and while you're there, pick up a jujitsu dummy signature tee exclusively at flowandroll.com. And remember, you'll get 20% off your purchase of t-shirts, rash guards, or gis with code JJD okay
0: so my next question was we're talking about Gordon Ryan when he started to come out with the crown and the whatever you call it the Cape what were you guys thinking were you guys like what is going on here really
2: yeah we never we had never seen anything like it before right like I remember uh we had a tournament um, that we used to put together I was actually doing a super fight that day that was the first time I think I seen Gordon with the Crown and you know, he was already like winning all these tournaments, you know what I mean, like it was kind of like, in a way, it was like a homecoming. I was like, it's the first time I see him after he goes out and like beats, beats all these guys, and I'm looking at that crown, and I'm like, I'm scratching my head. And I'm like, man, I don't know if I want to be like over there with you know, with this kid's <laughs> and stuff. You know, I I understand what he's doing. And, you know, it's it's all good, it, man. You it, know,
0: I don't, looking back, it worked. Uh, you know, it, it it accomplished what it what he was setting out to accomplish.
2: Listen, man. There's no better king than the self-made type of king, right? Yeah, you man. And you, you take the land and you put
0: on the crown, and that's it. And I mean, it, 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 it led him to uh, what yesterday or the day before, right? He announced he's got a, a one million dollar deal with Flow Grappling now. I
2: yeah, think it's, it's like,
0: incredible. Some
2: yeah, a... that he's able to do. You know, now sometimes I'm watching YouTube and he's popping up like in these, you know, <laughs> bodybuilding like with all these bodybuilders and stuff, and I'm like, yeah. Wow, man. <laughs> This dude is everywhere, you know? It's like my brand new students here, they go like, oh man, like, who? So, who's the best? Is that blonde dude is the best, right? I'm like, yeah, he's the best. That's him. <laughs> Do you, it's kind of funny and how, like,
0: when the new students come in, like people that don't know jujitsu and then they come in, it's funny watching them learn and absorb all this stuff and, like, start to know the names, uh, names of the moves, names of the competitors. You know, I remember yeah. those days. I, I've been training for about nine, I'm a brown belt, I've been training for about nine years. And, yeah. uh, you know, I used to like show up at practice with my iPad and be like, coach, could we go over this move today? And he's it, it annoyed the hell out of him. And then he just he knew I wasn't going to stop. I would just if I wasn't training, I was watching videos. If I, like, my wife wanted to kill me, I was like TV on shooting YouTube to the TV, you know, just like anything I could find. And uh, he just, my coach just wound up throwing up. He's just like, all right, let's do this. I it was kind of at that time where, as the old school professors didn't love, like you going and and learning jujitsu on YouTube and bringing it back, and it was kind of just that time where it was like, all right, I guess this is becoming more acceptable, and obviously BJJ fanatics and things like that were around for a long time already, but a lot of coaches were like, ah, you know, please don't go learn something on your own, ask me. So then we used to sit with my iPad. I'd show him a move that I wanted to learn. I'd have the iPad on the side and he would just, he'd look at it and go, okay, this is the way I would do it. And it just became a part of our, our culture for us to be able to like, to ask for these crazy moves. And that's how we learned like the the weird stuff, I guess you'd call it. But um, yeah, sure. h- how do you feel about that? Like seeing your students, you, do you see that journey of like, just not only learning the moves, but understanding the culture and going through this whole world of, you know, jujitsu on the internet?
2: Yeah. So, I think even just to back up a little bit, like this whole thing with Gordon and Gary, man, like I'm all for it because you have to remember that before this, it was completely Brazilian dominated, mm-hmm. right? Like there was almost this stigma that Americans can never be as good as Brazilians in jiu jitsu, right? And Gordon and Gary almost single handedly flipped that upside down as far as no gi jiu jitsu, right? Like they had to go head-to-head against not only go win matches but be so dominant and not even leave it not even as close so that now we're like oh yeah gordon is the best but man like if you go back three four years people didn't even think that an american guy could be that good you know yeah we've had some pretty good american guys before but they were never the best and they were never this dominant force that gordon has became and, and gary to a certain extent in the lighter weights right like so to me it's you know if they need to call people out and if they need to to be a little bit more uh, flamboyant on social media man it was it was what they needed to do to kind of create this little revolution and you know change the perception especially of the American practitioner that man it could be just as good they don't matter if you don't speak Portuguese you know what yeah I mean? um, do you think do you think as there's
0: as, anyone out there that that can beat that can beat him right now? I mean Nikki Rod's out there, like, you know, pretty gave him a pretty hard time in that in their last match. But do you think there's anybody out Do you think that guy is is on the radar yet? That that person that that's gonna wind up beating Gordon if if it ever happens?
2: Listen, I think Gordon could beat all the top five guys
0: back to back in nogi Literally like fight them back to back in no matter matches, matter right? What, no matter what rule set, right? Like whatever whoever
2: is the top five guys, right? Um, but man, it's fighting. Yeah. You know, you, you put somebody in a certain new set, you give them 10 minutes, right? Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's, uh, man, people can win. You know, somebody, he's going to be the motivation for a lot of guys to train every single day and 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 raise their level and raise their, their obsession to his level of obsession and their level of sacrifice to his level of sacrifice. And, and that's how Jiu-Jitsu evolves.
0: I mean, right? he like, makes he makes one? high level black belts look like rookies, like like purple belts. Yeah, I mean, it's crazy. And,
2: and so right now, I haven't really seen it. I'm super impressed by Kanan. Like uh, every time I see him, he seems to be getting better. You know what I mean? Like every time, I remember the first time they fought was uh, I think it was no gi penems because I think I, I I even competed in that same event in the masters division, of course and he took gordon's back for a quick second i think gordon went and submitted him and you know you could just tell that gordon had way more experience but i've seen Canan every time that he's fighting he's very athletic kid he's always bringing something new you know who knows maybe one day he could give gordon um you know like a much tougher match and and, and yeah like like even hodger hodger lost a couple of times you know what i mean like i'm not saying that you you're not unbeatable, but bro, like I don't see anybody out grappling Gordon. That's it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like yeah. if like, you if you put him in an old time limit with anybody right now, <laughs> yeah, he's just a different level from from anything I think we've seen for sure.
0: So let's go back to the question about the students. How do you feel about this world? I mean, you you coached at a time where it wasn't really so popular to go over it. You know, maybe even back to when it was like DVDs, right? Like people exchanging. VHS tapes and DVDs. How do you how do you feel about this world? And how do you feel about your students consuming or learning jiu-jitsu online?
2: Man, yeah, it's a big uh uh sort of like democratic movement in a way of the technical aspect of jiu-jitsu. Like I'm all for it. You know what I mean? Like I think that man, if I had access to I remember watching videos of like Hickson and um Jean-Jacques Machado and Higan Machado, and it was like the copy of the copy of the copy. Like this thing, <laughs> looked, this yeah. thing looked like it was underwater, man. You know, like it got, you know, got rescued from a freaking, you know, Spanish galleon. But man, I consumed it and every once in a while I would learn moves. And I, I remember when I first moved to the United States, like I would buy wrestling, um, you know, wrestling videos to learn takedowns more, right? And the times that I will go fight in Japan, sometimes I'll buy Judo books and see moves, and sometimes even see things that uh, we see in Jiu-Jitsu, you know? So I'm all for it. I think BJJ Fanatics has brought something to Jiu-Jitsu that it is incredible, you know? I think that students, though, that who do have access to a, like, a big organized school. Because, man, sometimes, like, I had one of my students, you just moved to the Midwest somewhere. And he goes out and like, there's somebody teaching and, you know, he came up training, you know, sometimes you're like five, six, seven black belts on the mats, whether these guys were competitors or not. So now all of a sudden he's in the school where people are asking him to teach. Right. So how does he progress? Right. So those people over there, they need a lot more support from like a video like that. Um, I do think that if you, let's say that, that you train at Alliance or that you train at Gracie Baja, right? Like whether you train at, you train with, you know, with John Danaher, right? Like you train at some of these established teams, they all have like a different map, right? Like the, 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 the destination ends up being the same, right? Like ends up being like a high level black belt that could compete possibly win at the highest level. Right. But I feel like each school has like a little bit of a roadmap. Right? And just from observation, um, certain things come before others for different schools, right? There's a sequence, right? There are certain things that you should learn in Jiu Jitsu, right? Like, as an example, um, if you learn leg locks right away, then, you know, why do you need to pass the guard, right? Like, just, it's just one of those things, there's guys that are going to learn the leg lock, and they're like, all right, cool, this is something that I know, but I know why that I still need to pass the guard, right? And then there's a guy that's like, oh, I can't pass the guard. This guy's too good. Or you take a purple belt that's watching videos on this and it's like, oh, man, this new blue belt is too tough. I'm going to leg lock the crap out of him, right? Like people start to use these moves that nobody knows in a way that um, I guess the word that I'm using is like a short term gratification of catching somebody in a move that, you, that they don't know versus truly developing a game and a style that you could out grapple, out position and submit someone because you truly understand jiu-jitsu right? Mm-hmm. So I think that's where people need to be careful. Like a lot of people go, yeah, man, you watch a freaking Gordon video and you go into most schools, people are not doing that. So you're going to catch a bunch of people with those leg locks. Now, what's going to happen when you go with someone that actually has seen that and knows how to defend that? Is your game going to go to the garbage and there's nothing else you could do? Or you actually have a well-developed, base that you're able to defend guard that you're able to pass the guard that you're able to take the back that you have all these sort of like uh pillars of jiu-jitsu well dug into the ground so that now this move is just something else that you add on top and not like a little quick exit that you go to when things are going bad yeah right like, so that's where I think that people still need to catch on and learn how to learn and I think that's where instructors become uh very instrumental yeah like i think that if the instructors are more open-minded and they guide the students hey man listen you're a big dude like what the freak are you doing like doing all these inversions you're gonna break your neck right like oh hey you're a little dude you try to buy lock pass. everybody everybody i train out tries to buy lock pass how about like, dude like unless you were like freaking you know way heavier than me i'm gonna freaking butterfly guard sweep you you know what i mean Like, all right i've been feeling that for freaking 20 years Right? Like, don't come because you watch a DVD and try to buy a lock past me. So my guidance towards the lighter partners is, is, okay, know who you do this to. Don't do this to somebody heavier. right? Like, do this in certain situations. So I think that on one hand, the, the students can be, uh, there's a lot of, under, try to understand, like, what's short-term reward and what's long-term development and try to place new moves within that spectrum. And then I think us instructors being more open-minded and learning that whether we want it or not, people are going to consume this. And that's great. Mm -hmm. Like they're bringing new knowledge. Like I'm learning new stuff from watching my guys roll and from having them do stuff to me that I have no idea what the frick is going on. Right? Like, and it's sort of like my job to accept that and to guide them, but also to Continue to develop myself, right? Like it's sort of like continuous professional development in a way, yeah. learning what's happening, you know, learning what's happening out there.
0: Yeah. I'm a fan of uh, kind of going back into something that you said before. Like I'm a fan of a curriculum. Um, Not everybody has a curriculum, and that's okay. Sometimes it's in just in the coach's head, sometimes it's written. But I know at least through White Belt, I believe that there should be a curriculum that they follow. You know, you have to know how to, you know, kind of the, I call it Jiu-Jitsu 101. In my school, especially if it's a bigger guy, I'm like 230, 240 at any given point. I'm usually going to get the big guys. Like, new guy comes in and I, and okay, he's working with Milton. um, And, and I like that. I enjoy that because I do love, I don't coach at my school, but I love that element of coaching and, and being given that responsibility. But um, a lot of times the coach might be doing a move and then I'll grab, the, I'll take the guy and I'll be like, we're gonna do jujitsu one oh one and like get into my guard or you know it starts showing just I'm gonna pass your guard, you pass mine pass you pass me, I'm gonna pass you. And we just kinda of go back and forth and, and for a little bit. And I'll I'll make sure they work that in because a lot of times, you know, especially even in my school, you know, a new guy comes in, if there's a big class, he's just learning he's looking, what am I learning? I'm learning like we're deep into some, you know, some kind of uh, you know, back take, you know, backpack and trip or and he just, I don't even, I have no clue what I'm doing. So I'm a fan of the curriculum, especially at White. I think there comes a point, though, that, you know, kind of opens up for everybody. And then again, people start looking at stuff and saying, I, I want to learn this. How do you do this, coach? How do you do that? Uh, going back to my first school, we were like that. We were, we had a curriculum, but at some point in the class, he would allow us or would teach us something high level. I think that kept us interested to see something that was like, oh, wow, that's crazy. How are we going to do that? I mean, like cartwheel passes and just like he, uh, he, my first coach was a brown belt, a judo brown belt. So he'd be teaching us throws. So it was, it kept us on our toes and it kept us engaged. So we were always drill, 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 drill. But then at some point in the class, beyond whatever technique he taught that day, he gave us a little something cool. So I liked learning that way. Um, but not every school is like that. Do do you have a curriculum at your school? Do you kind of run it by like a strict book, or like? Let, let me add in. You're also saying you're coming down to Florida to open a school. Is that something you set up a black belt and then you leave? Is that his location, or is that like your your location and you're putting somebody in charge?
2: So, uh, as far as the curriculum, I like structure, right? Like, cause when things go bad you go, you go back into structure and you can figure out what's going Mm -hmm. on. Right. So I I agree with you, like, um, you know, we need like a basic curriculum, like, like we need to teach people the sort of like foundations of jujitsu, uh, not even just technical, right. Like, but some of the basic strategy, right. Like, and then a little bit of like the history, like when I'm teaching certain moves, I always try to like, you know, give a little. A bit of the history whenever I can, without talking too much in the class. Cause a lot of times we have people for an hour only. Right. But then once it's blue belts and up, like, it's like you teach people from white to blue, but you train them from blue to black.
0: I like that. I like that. A lot, well put. You know,
2: or I should say more like from purple to black, are you teach them from white to blue, like from blue to purple uh it's kind of like the toughest time in jiu-jitsu like a lot of people quit like a lot of if you make it to purple you're going to make it to black but let's let's just go with that you know thank god (laughs) good to hear you teach teach them from white to blue and you train them from blue to black right like so that we really need to take them by the hand in the beginning and i i really believe that jiu-jitsu is not bigger because we need to get better at getting people from white to blue belt. You know what I mean? Like a lot of times, man, people go and they have terrible experiences at some of these schools, you know, like, man, it's already so hard to get Jiu- people to train jiu-jitsu. Jiu-jitsu is freaking hard, yeah. you know, like nobody wants to get set on by someone that, uh, that's that been doing this for 10 years and you have zero experience, you know, like it's it, it sucks the first time you do it.
0: Is there something so- that you could put your finger on very specifically that happens to that white to blue, that happens to that? that student, is it just the toughness? Is it the big guy sitting on them or is it something more?
2: Yeah. I'm a big believer that, you know, anyone can do jujitsu, but jujitsu is not for everybody, right? Like certain people are going to shy away from, you know, that discomfort. And that's just in general, right? Like when we get good, we get good, we get so good that we don't get uncomfortable. We don't get uncomfortable, right? Like, and then as soon as somebody's able to make you uncomfortable, you start to make the same mistakes that you did as a white belt. Um, but I think that we can make things more presentable, right? Like have more structure, have the schools be cleaner, right? Like a little bit less craziness from from the instructor, like a little bit less cobra kai, right? Like and a little bit more Mr. Miyagi. Right. <laughs> Although Cobra Kai was a school, right? Mr. Miyagi was like one-on-one, but like, man, I, I, you know, if I have to choose between Cobra Kai and Mr. Miyagi, I'm, I'm, I, I try to be more like Mr. Miyagi, and and if I was a student, I would go to Mr. Miyagi, even though he's not a, a, a formal instructor. Versus, you know, whatever the name of the guy from Cobra Kai was, right? Uh, so yeah, I think that having an element of structure for the for the people that are just getting started, right, and and even some elements of structure in the in the more advanced classes, right? So it doesn't get too crazy, right? Like so that you constantly challenging the students, not only with, you know, techniques that require a little bit higher level of expertise and proficiency, but you know, tough situations where you know, right, today we're gonna defend guard, and you're gonna be on the bottom for like 15 minutes. <laughs> people are like, oh my god, right? Like bringing uh, small doses of discomfort and reminding people that jujitsu is tough, right? That it's not just it's not supposed to only be fun, right? Like it's supposed to be challenging too, right? And not just for your training partner, for you. Everybody talks about just being tough, but it's usually, oh, it's tough for them. But for me, it's easy. Back in the day it was tough, but now it's easy, Mm. right? It always needs to be a little bit hard. Uh, That's just kind of like my opinion. And then just to answer your question about the location, no man, I'm I'm here in Florida almost full-time, me and another one of my black belts, we are uh, in Lakewood Ranch, which is a, you know somewhat of a suburb of uh, Tampa. We're like 45 minutes from Tampa, and yeah, I traveled back to Jersey to continue to give support to my students there. I was just there for like a week, and the rest of the the rest of the time I'm here cracking the whip and just trying to get a school going from scratch. It's been a ton of fun. We've had a very warm welcome. We have some awesome people here, and we've been open for less than three months, but we're oh, already wow. starting to. Already starting to see some talent come through the ring, so it's been fun.
0: Yeah, do you do you allow white belts to roll, or how soon do you allow a white belt, a brand new white belt off the street, never done jiu-jitsu, wasn't a wrestler? Do you hold him back from from rolling right away, or is he getting right in there, or she, so he
2: for, or she? My school up in Jersey that has already been st- that was already there for like twenty something years, right? Like I do two stripes uh, on their white belt which for us is 90 days, it's about the three months mark, right? Okay. Uh, when I started the school here, uh, because I was gonna be able to give a lot more individual attention, a lot smaller student body, I'm doing one month, like after eight classes in one month, like I'm having the white belts already begin to do live training. And man, it's, it's been working well. Um, i can't help but notice how much more work they need when they um when they start live training like they haven't even had a chance to go through the curriculum like i use a 12-week curriculum like they haven't even had a chance right if they've seen guard then they're not they don't even have they haven't even seen back yeah right like it's so hard because jiu is pretty expensive um uh, but i think that if we have the culture and the camaraderie right and, and we're able to build the trust with the students, then we can introduce it uh, a lot sooner. Uh, so right now, I'm having my white belts after eight classes and a month, they start doing live training. Uh, if I see a student that has previous training or someone that's wrestled before, I invite them to come to a more advanced class. I make sure that they could train without hurting themselves and without hurting their training partner. And if they're good, then I just kind of move them up into that space where we're doing a lot more live training and perhaps even a more advanced class, but this is with a smaller student body. Yeah. And, and I'm not saying that's how it should be, man. I just, I just hate people getting hurt and leaving jujitsu with like a bad taste in their mouth. And unfortunately the majority of people that come to jujitsu, they need some work, man, not only in their fitness, but in their, in their coordination, you know, body movement, like before they could train, safely to the point that they don't get injured uh and they could anticipate accidents and you know try to avoid those and they they could train without hurting somebody else right like a lot of a lot of the white belt injuries are uh, inflicted by someone else a lot of the advanced injuries are self inflicted. Yeah. You know, yeah. <laughs> so we should, we should, we post instead of yielding for the sweep. It's usually like, yeah, it's a, a lot more yeah. self inflicted. But for the white belts, they still don't know what they're doing. And I don't wanna, man, Jiu Jitsu has been a very powerful experience in my life. I don't wanna cut somebody's experience short because because of a, a, a couple of weeks. Yeah. Right? In a spectrum where I've been training 30 years, four weeks is nothing.
0: Yeah i tell my my fellow students and and i preach it on the on this podcast remember that this is a business for your coach i wasn't always the nicest what you know at my first school i was the first student it was a family friend he was opening a gym we traded marketing services for for lessons i never paid him a dime i was with him for two years built his website helped him out started coaching at white belt i was helping him coach the kids class he was a law enforcement officer. He wouldn't he wouldn't be he'd be late and couldn't open the school and I had the keys and here I am a white belt opening the school. But I always remember I always knew that it was a business. But I also when a new guy came in, you know, nobody would tell me like, hey, don't beat up on him so much. We want him to come back. And I can't say maybe till purple and in my second school, I realized like, oh, that guy's not gonna come back because I just, you know beat the shit out of him and he's been training, you know, 2 or 3 weeks or you know j- just not realizing, you know, you, you sometimes we go to class and we, we want to win, right? We want to win practice. We want to we want to go home and tell our wife how great we did. Nobody wants to be like, "Oh, it was a light class cuz I had to like go easy on these guys." Like I I didn't realize it till I was at purple that, "Oh, wait a minute. I might be part of the problem of some of these guys not showing up again because I'm going too hard and, and the, not letting them like let them see the fun before you really, you know, put it to them. Let them learn a bit, little bit of jujitsu. Let them put you in a bad position. I, my ego was in a place where I was going to let anybody pass my guard, take my back. No way. I'm, you know, what is the coach going to say? Uh, and, it, it, you know, it, it took me till purple, even just getting my brown, to really go. Yeah, I really have to do that thing that they say, leaving the ego at the door. And I not I'll start with somebody on my back now, like a white, like here. What's your favorite position? let's start there and, and we'll play around a little bit so that they have some fun with it too. I've been doing it nine years. I'm going to be 50. I'm, I'm not looking to win ADCC. I'm not, you know, I'm not looking to, you know, to compete. Uh, Not right now while I have a regular job still, but you know, I, I didn't realize that for a long time and nobody told me that I learned it by doing or by hearing maybe people outside of my gym talk about those things. So I make an effort to preach it to my other guys like, Hey, don't beat up, you know, Hey, take it easy on the guy. He's new. like, it's a business for the coach. You still, we want them to come back. We want them to get to blue and then we beat up on them. (laughs) You know, Uh, I think a lot of guys don't realize it when they're, if they're not told something as silly as it may sound like, don't beat up the new guy, you know?
2: Yeah, man. And you know, like beyond the business, it's a practice, right? Like it's a lot more like a practice where more like a, like a, I don't want to say like a medical practice, but you know, something that's more, that's more healing than there is a, than there is a, a, a value-based transaction happening that, you know, we are, we're exchanging like a monetary value for a thing, right? Like, you can't really like buy jujitsu, right? But I think in, in a sense, that's already different. But when we talk about a school, right? And even like, let's just say your school, right? Like, let's say that your school has 50 students, maybe, you know, 10 of them are blue belting up or maybe 15 of them are blue belting up. And then, you know, you show up on a Tuesday night, there's only like two people to train that are advanced. And then on a Thursday, there's like, you know, maybe like one guy and then Saturday, oh cool, everybody's here. And then Tuesday comes again, there's only freaking two guys for you to train. And you just keep kind of like, man, there's only 50 people here, right? Imagine if you had 100, 200, 300 students, imagine that student body, like how, you know, it's in the student's best interest, I believe. To have as many training partners as possible versus just having like one or two or three guys because life happens man a life happens you know um sometimes people just don't show up yeah. and you have a level of dedication i would imagine to your training just by having a podcast that most people don't have right like so truthfully the more people we have training the better the more people i have even in the school across the street for me the better because later on you want to go you know they have the tempo open coming up. You know, and I'm like, oh man, maybe I should think about doing the tempo open. And you know, they got my black belt that's over here. I have a couple of guys coming from Jersey, and bro, I go look, and it's like, there's nobody in the weight class, right? So what does that mean? Mm-hmm. We need more schools down here. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it's it's one of those things. It's like the bigger Jiu-Jitsu is, the better at every level of it, right? Because then Gordon makes a million bucks, right? Then we have Jiu-Jitsu competitions every week. And then every time we get on the mats, we have good people to train with. They have like you know, somewhat you know they might not be like-minded, but they have similar goals. And there's a sort of like a these unspoken rules under which you know the rules of engagement under which we kind of like go and try to kill each other <laughs> without killing each other, right? Um, so even to that sense, you know, I think sometimes it takes a long time for people to understand that. Yeah, uh, and, and even I've seen with the. Uh, training partners, right? Like sometimes. Because I mean my first class was at Gracie Baja. Like my first class, Master Carlos Gracie Jr. was teaching. Right. And then Hansel was the only other black belt. And they had all these, you know, freaking legends of the sport where my senior, my seniors, man, I grew up freaking looking up to these guys. It's kind of like I grew up in, you know, in a Marvel movie, you know, with like all these freaking <laughs> and I just freaking try to be as much as I could like them. Right. But sometimes people start at a small school, right? And they're like, oh man, like if I just move to that school, then I could have better training there, right? When I first moved to the United States, I had nobody to train, man, and I had to make a decision. Do I go somewhere else where there's training or do I build the people around me so that I actually have training? And going back to the first thing we talked about with the DVDs and, you know, and BJJ Fanatics and how to introduce techniques that are not being taught by your instructor into your game, you know, we have to make a decision between the short-term gain and the long-term balance, right? Like I wanted to have people to train for the rest of my life, not just move somewhere and, you know, train with these people that I don't even know, you know? And and I think a lot of times people jump from gym to gym and people are entitled to go wherever they want, man. You know, sometimes you find a situation and you don't want to be there, Just, just go your own way. And that's, you know yeah. it's better for everybody, yeah. the quicker people move, the better. But I always, to me, the best decision is like now I have like one black belt to train here, and that's kind of how things are going to be for a while. So, what do I do? Yeah. Man, I try yeah. to get people freaking twice as good in half the time, you know, three times as good in a third of the time. Like, I'm freaking cracking the whip in a very selfish way, yeah. To try- guys to a certain level where I could have more training partners, right? And 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 in my selfish way of getting more training partners, then they're gonna learn jiu-jitsu. So I think it's a I think it's a pretty good
0: exchange. I, I you know it's you just described my first gym. Uh you know again I said I was I was the only student uh, and then you know guys would trickle in here or there. But my first few months of jiu-jitsu so many times it was spent me and my black belt and I got my I got my blue belt in six months after, uh, double golding at a local event at, um, oh Jesus, at a, at a new breed, a new breed. Uh, so, uh, and, and he was surprised. He's like, you really, like he had competed when he was younger and he's retired from competing. And then he was at 41, 42. He's like, you really want to compete? Uh, we'll do it. And so, again, you know, I, I kind of fast-tracked to blue belt because it was just me and him, me and him, me and him. And I was just, you know, it was like sometimes it would be an hour. He'd be like, let's just roll. I'd just be rolling with my black belt and, you know, getting, you know, I was learning, but it, it, it was fun. It was hard, and it was fun. Uh, so, yeah, you, you just kind of described that experience I had. I was in a small school. I I'm, I am wouldn't trade that experience from white to blue for anything because I, le- I got to learn so much. I, I had... It was like doing a private for months, and I I got really good. And I loved it. I loved it before I stepped on the mat. I was a UFC fan, always had, like, a bag in my garage or hanging outside on a tree, and I was always I, – I, I loved it. I grew up watching boxing with my father. It was something – I. I just when I showed up at jiu jitsu I was already in love with it and I hadn't even stepped on the mat yet. I was like, "I'm going to learn, I'm missing this little piece. I've never done this." I wrestled a little bit so I kind of understood that side. But uh yeah, I I think there's a lot of merit goes to to, to having uh, you know, a small school in that one-on-one with uh with, you know, you got two black belt, right? You got two black belt people are coming in and they can train with two black belts and, you know, I don't know if people know who you are when they come in the door. But I, I'm sure after a while, they start to learn, oh, Henzo, Tom, De Blas? you know, Frankie Edgar, you trained with, you know, I think that they start to go, oh, oh, shit. Uh, there's look what I've got in front of me. And uh, hopefully they're going to be sponges, you know.
2: Yeah, it's been fun, man. It's been fun. And I think that sometimes the students themselves, they haven't really experienced Jiu right? Like, and, and even, even my black belt that's here, right, has been training for 10 years. Right, like it's to me, it's, that's not that long, right? Like I, I remember him. I remember him as a, I remember him as a white belt, like barely doing jumping jacks. You know, like doing jumping jacks, like all, oh, all oh, like crooked. You know, so. But I, I know the power of jujitsu. I've seen it. Like I don't know it. Like I don't know the secret of it. But I, 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 I've experienced it. I've seen other people experience. Right. So when somebody walks into the school and they step onto our mats. They see themselves for all the things that they can't do, right? Whereas me as an instructor, I'm seeing them like five years down the line. I'm already seeing, like, oh man, this guy's like, he's kind of freaking strong, man. He's gonna be so good. Oh, this girl, look how technical she is and she's tough, like, she's fearless, you know? Like, and this little kid like this and, you know, this person like that, right? Like, you know, oh man, this guy, look how quickly he, you know, He's got the bug. Like he's, you know, he's going looking all these DVDs, and he's asking me all these interesting questions. You know, so I think sometimes students need to have more patience and and recognize that they're entering something special, right? Like that they're entering a special practice in a way, like a special activity, right? But also, uh, a, a jiu jitsu school is a very special place. Um, not all of them but most yeah. of them um you know the instructor is usually pretty humble right like and you know he likes to see people do well and, and and more than probably anywhere else you go to um on a consistent basis you know so for sure like I think that you know the dojo is the place of enlightenment you know like I think that we can find a lot of that um in to school
0: I I give a little piece of advice tell me if you just you you agree with this. I give this little piece of advice, especially when I see a white belt struggling rolling with some of the higher belts and that they're beating up on him. Or I hear them say like, oh God, I don't want to roll with that guy. He always, man, he's so tough or he's so strong or he's so heavy. I'll tell those guys, look, especially if it's a guy that's like a bully. And it doesn't happen a lot in my school, but I tell them this in general. Ask that guy to show you his favorite move or explain the last submission that he did on you. And you kind of get that guy into a teaching mode. And now he's not just thinking about killing you. I've given that advice and it's worked. It's like, look, that guy, he may be here. He may be tough. Maybe he's got a competition coming up, whatever it is. But do this and ask him to show you something. And it usually kind of diffuses. It, it, it brings that guy down a little bit. He's like, okay, we're not going to roll. I'm going to teach a little bit. Okay. All right. And then they go, it's just a different mode. And now it also, you know, usually that guy, that person might be new, so it also kind of starts this weird relationship. They, they start talking because there are guys that I've gone to the gym. They've been there for weeks and sometimes months, and we don't talk other than, hey, what's up? How you doing? We don't know each other yet, right? But if I ask him to show me something, now we're talking. Now we're, okay, do it. Th-. Like, we're not having conversations unless we're doing that in some cases. Sometimes I'm in and out. I go in, do my training, and I'm out. What do you think about that advice, about asking that tough guy or that bully, to maybe show you his favorite move or, or just ask him some questions.
2: I think it's great, man. I think that, uh, you know, like uh, to try to defuse that way and ask, uh, the problem is sometimes the police, they don't even know what they're doing. <laughs>
0: <laughs> ah, t- people just
2: like, they're so wild, <laughs> up, you know what I mean? Like uh, they don't even know what they're doing. Um, that's just kind of how they are. But yeah, I think asking for advice i think generally you know it kind of you know it tends to stroke somebody's ego like in, in a good go. way yeah and yeah i think it's for sure a very a very slick way to <laughs> to uh having someone just kind of being rough man
0: yeah all right so i'll keep on giving that advice then so we have a i we posted a book for uh questions we got a, a whole bunch of questions I'm going to try and go through some of these. I know you commented on some. I appreciate you not answering them yet online. So thank you, yeah. which happens a lot of times.
2: Uh, there was a couple that guys asked me on, on on my Instagram. If you want to go through some of those too, we can go through it.
0: Yeah, let, let's see. Uh, I I have I have a bunch. And remember, like the post was shared. Cool. So if they posted it on yours, I'm seeing it too. So, awesome. All right. So I, I'm just going to start at the top. We may have talked about some of these things, but let's see. Uh, we uh, If they listen to the show and we use their question they can get a podcast to your mug. So they have to message us. If you're out there and you hear, DM us after the after you hear the show and we'll send you a podcast to your mug. Okay. So uh, Sam McCow, he says, craziest Tom DeBlas story. Tell us your craziest Tom DeBlas story. Craziest
2: Tom DeBlas story. Man. Oof. There is a bunch. Um, a very funny one. Um, some, it may be a little bit inappropriate, but it's, no, a, it's a, it's a thunder Blast story and it's a Hansel Gracie story at the same time. Okay. And I wasn't, and I wasn't even there. And that's why I love that one. You know, <laughs> so, um, I fought in Japan a lot at the time. I wasn't fighting, but we had one of our guys was going to fight in Japan. One of the guys that showed me, uh, Kurt Pilegrino, he was going to fight in pancreas and I couldn't go and Hansel was going, I think Hansel had another guy fighting. And so Kurt asked Tom to go with him, you know, and I think it's the first time that Tom, the blast is meeting Hansel, you know, Tom was a much younger guy, you know, uh, at the time. So he shows up to the airport with his game boy. Yeah, like, (laughs) yeah, like a little, like a little game boy. (laughs) And Hansel just looks at him, looks at Kurt, he knew Kurt better. I don't think he knew Tom and he goes like, I'm going to Japan with a faggot. <laughs> Oh, my God. <laughs> well, you may beat this. Uh. Bro. I remember Tom telling me this. I think Tom called me from Japan to, to, <laughs>
0: to I think tell to me. People have to appreciate. People that have heard Henza would know, probably know, especially way back then, that that would come out of his mouth. <laughs> I mean,
1: it's so inappropriate, but, you know, that's... Yeah, at that time, it was normal. I <laughs> can't remember. Just Tom, you
2: know, his name... You know, my teacher, you know what I mean? Like Hansel was like freaking, you know, God on earth all of us. And, and Hansel was like making fun of his Game Boy in a very completely inappropriate or politically incorrect way. But, hey, that's Hansel. And, yeah, yeah I, think, I think Tom grew up a few years just in the conversation. Oh, the my God. <laughs> I, I bet you he trashed that Game Boy.
0: Yeah, you know, It's funny because, I mean, those people that are training right now, you know, like, you know Tom, you follow him online, or if you know him personally, like, you see this larger-than-life figure. I couldn't imagine... I think Henzo's smaller than right? Henzo is probably a little smaller than him, right? <laughs> so this little guy saying that to who we all... When we you say Tom the Bloss, we see this big, massive figure. That's kind of crazy to to know that somebody was talking to him like that yeah. that at any time.
2: Yeah, no. Henzo always put us in our place, that's yeah. for sure.
0: So, so did, when you first came... Back came back to the U.S. Did you go right to training with Henzo? Did yeah, you I lived with him. You lived with him, right? Yeah, that's what I heard.
2: Yeah. I, I lived at Henzo's house. Uh, I came to teach at the school that he was open, uh, opening in Philadelphia at the time with his old uh, with his old uh, partner.
0: Did you know him? You knew him from Brazil, or did somebody set you guys up yeah, together? When I started
2: training is the only
0: black belt besides
2: Master Carlos. Oh, you know? Okay, so, man, he was. And I'll barely see him because he, he would usually be at Gracie Baja in the mornings when I was going to school, right? I was still in high school and uh, at night he would teach classes at his school. He had a, a Gracie Ipanema, which is like a couple of towns over from, from Baja. But man, we would just see him like every once in a while. And then he, he, you know, uh, Carlino's Carlos Gracie wasn't competing anymore. Hands was competing. So he was winning all these fights, you know, like he won the first Brazilian nationals that they held hansel versus de la Riva. hansel won that match i oh, remember yeah. that match was today man hansel would sit in the de la Riva and he shut down the de la Riva hook with an underhook that's how he did it the whole time and then there was a scramble hansel ended up on the bottom i think it was a normal platter back then if you rolled out of a normal platter there was no two points okay so the la Hiva ended up putting hands on a normal platter hansel rolled to the bottom no points then as soon as de la Riva got on top hansel set up with a butterfly and swept him and, yeah, so Hansel was, like, this larger-than-life. I came. I lived with him. We were riding the train all the time. Most of the jiu-jitsu I know, uh, some of it I learned on the mats, but a lot of it I learned on the train from New Jersey to New York.
0: <laughs> what do you do – you, like, would you practice or getting into fights?
2: Just, you know, how Hansel thinks and stories yeah. about himself and the Gracie family and, you know, just to see Hansel treating people and how he is as a person, you know, it was yeah. for sure. Probably, you know, are the biggest influence I've had in my life outside my parents, like someone from my family.
0: That's cool. Okay, we got our next question. Uh, I, I don't know. Hope I don't butcher this name. Wesam Salah or Selah? Um, yeah. This was one that you had commented on. What are your thoughts on researching opponents before a tournament or a fight?
2: Wesam, super talented kid from, uh, from Brunswick with JJ. He's training more with us uh, in New Jersey now. He has really good judo man he trains judo and jiu-jitsu so you know you could see some of his highlights just tossing people in jiu-jitsu oh, tournaments yeah. is actually but he puts a lot of time into his judo so we him, um yeah man always always especially now IBGJF, they have guys uh former matches and before i compete i go and i watch all of them. you know yeah i'm generally not all of them all as me- as many as as there are recent right like no point in looking at something like three years old but anything that's like two three years old i watch all of it for everyone that's in the bracket um i always watch it usually my brackets are only a handful of guys anyways but yeah when, and when i look at fighting i don't look at you know oh this guy does this good uh, or, or this guy does this bad necessarily as in a uh you know opportunity and threat type of situation i try to look for patterns i try to look for things that they do over and over in certain situations and see if i could turn something that my opponent does well into an opportunity right like and maybe uh something that they do bad but maybe i'm bad at it and i'm like hey you know even though that don't look too good i'm not gonna go over there i'm gonna kind of go this way right so i in fighting i just try to look for patterns and and, and usually guys tend to repeat the same moves and just try to get around them. try to walk around that
0: minefield you know how active are you with competing are you still competing a lot as much as you'd like or at all well,
2: Man, when i stopped fighting me in 2011. i think i did five nogi Pen Ms. i did one nogi worlds, a couple a couple uh couple new york opens uh fight to win uh me tom and a couple of the guys went down to west virginia we did like adcc nationals had a couple super fights so, yeah, I would say I was pretty active. We always do nogi pans, but man, since COVID, there's nothing up in New York. Now I'm down here in Florida starting a new school. Most of my focus is going towards that. I want to see if maybe in the second half of this year, I can go maybe do nogi pans or something like that. Okay.
0: So, we have a little bit of a a, a question that throws back to, to something that we were talking about earlier, like recognizing uh, talent and Gordon and Gary and, and even in Tom. Um, so it kind of, it, it, the first part of the question is, did you know they were special back then? So we talked about that. So what stood out, let's talk about just identifying athletes in general. It says, how do you identify athletes that can be world champions in BJJ and MMA from a large talent pool? Is that something that you think comes easy to some people like, yeah, that's, that guy is going to be special or that guy is special. How do you identify think, people like that?
2: I think there's a couple key attributes and i think that they are all important in certain situations some may become more important than others i think the first one is work ethic it's just how hard somebody works okay i've seen so many talented guys i mean just like it's just like you know if, it, if somebody doesn't work hard like there's there's nothing you could do for them because eventually they're going to go with someone that's just as talented and the hard work is going to make a huge difference right then i think as athleticism mm-hmm. you know whether that's in you know, I'm not talking about, you know, running a fast forty or you know how high your vertical is, right? But like that quickness and movement um that someone is able to have, whether it's side to side and you know, you know, just you know, balance and, and you know, dexterity, like all these qualities whether you could tell when somebody's athletic. Mm-hmm. And I think for sure, um in jujitsu the, the jujitsu athlete, it's not just whether someone can be fast and strong, you know, there's flexibility, there's decision making, there's all these things that eventually you look and it's like, man, this dude can move or this girl can move and, you know, they could stay ahead of their opponent. They recognize the opponent's offense early, you know, or they position themselves in a way where they don't leave too many openings. So that part I think it's important. Uh I think another part is just gasping. But if somebody gets tired, like, well, why even waste the time? Like you should you shouldn't begin tired. Being tired shouldn't be a reason why you lose a match. You know what I mean? I went to a Dan Gable seminar, and that was the first thing the old man said. Like, fatigue should never be a reason why you lose. You should train harder than your opponent, and you should train yourself to the point that you don't get tired, right? Uh, I think that is also a huge aspect. And I think finally just the mental toughness is just how well, like, how does someone act and react when things are not going their way, right? Like, they're their ability to to overcome, you know, bad situations or come back from a loss, right? Or Or, you know, something happens in their personal life. How are they able to stay? You know, sometimes you have to take those losses and take the pounding, right? Like, and your commitment to training is not gonna be the same, but can they stay consistent even during those times, right? I think those are, those to me are, some of the biggest ones that come to mind right
0: now. Do you do you talk about mental toughness with your students and competitors? Is that something that I always say when I was a kid, I played a lot of sports. I always quit. Nobody was talking to us about sticking with it. And again, mental toughness and the mental side of the game. Again, I'm, I'm going to be 50. It just wasn't something that a coach from a school talked to you about. You know, he's got 20, 30 kids. It, you know, you didn't get that one-on-one. Is that something that you do as a jujitsu coach now? Are you talking about the mental side of the game?
2: Yeah, I think I try to address it, you know, with the students. Uh, I don't have that many competitors anymore, you know, like a lot of the MMA guys that I coached that were UFC champions, you know, Frankie, Eddie, these guys are kind of like, you know, Frankie, stop fighting. Eddie may or may not have a couple more fights. Like I'm not really like actively mm-hmm. coaching uh, those guys anymore. But I think for sure for the – the for the daily practitioner right like for the 95 percent of people that train jiu-jitsu that will never get on competitive mats i think that how that gets expressed in daily life is is i think focus commitment and discipline you know like it's your ability to just sort of like zone out like distractions that you don't know it's that good for you right like and i'm not saying that everything that's not jiu-jitsu is bad for you but like be able to just you know stop and focus right Mm -hmm. i think that's important And I think the ability to commit to something and persevere, even though things are not going your way, right, because because the person you become, you know, chasing that black belt or chasing your gold medal is a much better person than the person that never committed to try to do that anyways, right, in every level. So even though there is no guarantee light at the end of the tournament, and especially with competition, man, competing is like rolling a dice, you know, like, you, you don't know what's going to happen, like, we all wish that we could be like Gordon, but we're not, right?
0: We're not. But jujitsu right? is like, still for you, right? Jiu-Jitsu is yeah. still for those people, like, I'm Doesn't I'm in come- this for the exercise, the camaraderie, the mental, you know, the the release of my stress, I, I, I again, I, I might sound like a broken record to some of our listeners, but I tell my wife, like, if you're mad at me and you want to have an, we have to have an argument, do it when I come home from jujitsu. Because I'm going to be at my most relaxed. I'm going to be, um, I'm going to be easier to talk to. The stress of the day is gone. Somebody just tried to choke me and, you know, yes. quote unquote, kill me. Us having this conversation is nothing. But after a long day, the stress, uh, client, this, and account that, you know, and somebody now wants to come and talk to you about something really serious, or has a problem with you. That it's just different. So I know for me, it's like, you know, I'm I'm here for a different reason. I love jujitsu. Uh, I found it when I was supposed to. I don't. I'm not one of these guys that say, "Oh, I wish I was doing this when I was younger. I would have quit." I said it before. I would have quit if I was doing this from a kid. I would have gotten hurt. This first t- t- time I got hurt, I would have been like, "I'm out." Not any, now I'm like oh my elbow and my shoulder and I'm getting cortisone shots in my shoulder just to stay active like that's where I'm at at this game and I I, I will will do it and I don't I, if I'm hobbling on the mat at, in my 70s it, it would have been a good life I, I will I'll be happy you know so everybody does it for a different reason
2: yeah that's how it should be man you know it should be something that that enhances our life like that it makes us that it makes us better people but it's only one aspect of your life. You know what I mean? Like, uh, but you could let that aspect, you know, grow into other areas, you know, like that, 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 that focus and stress relief and, and mental toughness that we get on the mats, right? Like it for sure can, can, and it should help us off the mats as well.
0: So that question initially the, uh, about a, a world champion standing out, that was from Jerry, Sue, I'm going to say. uh, It's at Clemson, Oregon on on Instagram. Um, I'll go to our next question. We have... uh, our. This is Louis Bromberg. Okay, his question is, other than just showing up, what is the biggest thing that makes a blue belt or turns a blue belt into a purple belt?
2: You know, I think a lot of people
0: believe that
2: showing up every day you're know, training two times a day um, is the is the way to go you know I don't believe that anymore man um I think that if for the young competitors you know jiu-jitsu is almost like jiu jitsu is strength and conditioning jiu-jitsu is mobility Jiu-jitsu is, uh, uh, you know, injury prevention. Like for those guys, it's kind of like that. Like for us, thirty and over like the majority of people that found jiu-jitsu like uh, in the adulthood, I think that adding elements of, you know, a minimum level of aerobic training, right? Whether that's running, biking, swimming, uh, rowing, or even walking at first for someone that has very little uh, metabolic training. Uh, I think that is extremely helpful, not just for jiu but for longevity, right? And then strength training, right? Being able to do some type of resistance training. That's whether you join your crunch gym for $10 a month and you go use their stuff, or you get some bends and some weights at home, and and, and then you do that. And especially for male and female, right? Like for for men, we start to lose muscle and strength. Uh, I believe it's at a rate of 1% a year every year, right? Like after we get like 30 and 40. And then for the ladies, uh, they start to have to deal with, um, you know, bone loss and things like that. And resistance training can mitigate a lot of that, right? And then it comes, you know, the mobility and injury injury prevention type of stuff. Uh, What you eat, right? Like the type of stuff that you put in your mouth, uh, does it belong in your body? uh if you're asking yourself to go do five six rounds with people that are super fit right like you have to think about that like what type of fuel are you feeling your body right um and then you know the type of stuff that you put in, in your mind right like i said i joke with my guys i don't have anything against video games man right but man the amount of like adults that spend like you know let's say over 10 hours a week playing video games right man that's a lot right like so i feel like video games is like the new party with these guys like yeah. that's 10 hours that you could have had of you know maybe a couple of days you would have gone for a run a couple of days you've gotten some lifts a couple of days you do some core work for your back that's hurting maybe some foam rolling or maybe just read a book right like it, it, it yeah. doesn't that always have to be stuff that makes you better at jujitsu. Right. And I know a lot of people love video games and I don't have video game at home also because I love it, because I would be one of these guys playing 20, 20 hours a week in video games. Right. I'll be like Thumb the Blast with his Game Boy uh, when he was young. <laughs> I don't think the gamer anymore, but I know a lot of my guys in the game that, I, that I make fun of. them. Um,
0: if we ever have I Tom understand. on, we're gonna ask him about the Game Boy.
2: <laughs> but to answer Louis' question, it's like, man, like you gotta do some aerobic training, you gotta do some, you know, lift some weights, you gotta eat clean, you gotta watch what enters your your head, and then you gotta be at the academy, you know, as much as you can. If you're thirty and over, you need two days a week off. You know, yeah. if you train Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday's gotta be off. Then you know, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and then Sunday's gotta be off. There it is. That's yeah. You gotta like,
0: remember: good in, good out. You right. Can do that for two- they're going to be very good. Yeah, there you go. All right, so our last question is from Gemma. Uh, Gemma, we actually uh, we ran a foundation for a little while called the Jiu-Jitsu Dummies Foundation. She was uh, uh, our second winner of a, a one-year scholarship for Jiu-Jitsu. We paid for her jiu Little jiu-jitsu. Gemma? Little Gemma. Hi, yeah, Gemma. she sent us a question. Hey, Gemma. Hi. Uh,
1: amazing, guys. she
0: says. Okay, so my question is, she's uh, she's in her teens. She's uh, I, I think she's 14 now. Sorry, Gemma, if I got that wrong. Um, how do you feel about females fighting males, everything being equal, like weight belt and skill? you think it's okay for a woman to fight a a, a guy?
2: Man, I'm going to get in trouble for my answer here. <laughs> Maybe like, not. <laughs> this is like, I mean, like the political, I'm going to get canceled for my answer over uh-huh. here. Um, no, man. Like uh, my answer is this, my daughter, um, my daughter runs at the highest level now, you know. She they went to state championships here in her cross country team. She's going to run track in college. I don't want my daughter running against the boys. It's not fair. Right? Um just like I don't think it's fair for a lightweight to to fight a heavyweight for the same medal if they both entering the absolute division, then I think it's okay. Uh, as far as like for a girl, um, I'm gonna try to answer that in a very in a very uh, thoughtful way. I don't think a, a, a girl that's 14 and a boy that's 14, if the same way that the girl should have the expectations of tossing the boy around, right? Now when the girls are 11, 12, and 13, bro, my girls kill all the boys. It's almost like terrible. You get all these yep. parents that bring the girls because the boys are being bring the boys because the boys are being bullied or they want the boys to learn self-defense next thing you know, you got some cute little 11 year old on a they will toss in the dude's <laughs> son around and they just <laughs> parents going like that. Right. And the reality is the girls develop earlier, right? Like at that 10, 11, 12 years old. The girls are getting preparing their bodies for the period so the aerobic system is already developed like they literally have way more oxygen for their muscles that the boys have that's why the boys are all loopy like they don't freaking pay attention but then the testosterone kicks in when they're like 15 16 years old and it's definitely like a huge difference in size and strength so my answer to him is i don't expect someone that's not as strong as somebody else not as big as somebody else to go and just beat up on uh, on on that person, irrespective of gender.
0: Yeah. I won't leave you hanging out there by yourself because uh, as a father of two girls, I agree. When they're kids, it's I think it's okay. Once you start to get to about 12 years old, bodies are changing. As, again, yeah, when a boy starts to hit puberty, probably like more 14, right, 13, 14, it they are just genetically stronger. Oh, God, I'm gonna get killed on this too, aren't I? Uh, they're just stronger. I mean, it's just they get tougher. There's no way. Yeah. There's no way. <laughs> I I think yeah I, I think you know as a kid and I know Gemma's, Gemma Gemma I probably still competes against boys. I know I, I follow her and I see her competing in uh, in jujitsu tournaments against boys and winning. And um, I think there'll come a point, though, there, there's a reason why they get separated out and, you know, there, there'll come a point in the teens where that's just not going to happen. Um, I'm not saying that Gemma or somebody else couldn't beat a boy. I think strength-wise, just muscle-wise, it becomes a different beast once they get into their late teens. And I don't think that it's necessarily fair. In a fighting situation for, you know, fighting, including jujitsu tournaments, I don't, I don't really think that it's fair for the girl, I think that it, it needs to get separated now. Um, you know, people may have other opinions, but we're, we're just giving our opinion.
2: Yeah, I think for sure, uh, uh, a girl like him, uh, with, with training and with her competitive experience, man, there is a ton of boys that she's gonna toss yeah. them around like rag dolls, and, and yeah. rightfully so. She's, yeah. you know, from what you're describing, she's yeah. super skilled.
0: Yeah, yeah remember, and, well, the, yeah. and the question, she even says it. Everything being equal, like weight, belt and skill. When all things are equal, yes, if you were training for, you know, five years, six years, ten years and somebody, a, a new boy or man comes into the gym, yeah, you're probably going to do pretty well of him, but again, well against him. But again, all things being equal, weight, skill level, you know, uh, experience in, in jiu-jitsu, it gets to be difficult and, you know, I think as a coach, you don't want to see any student get hurt, but as a are you gonna? I, mean, I, you know, I'll roll with women if they want to roll with me. I'm obviously way bigger than the average girl in my school, but I think once you start talk, talking about in competition settings, you're just not gonna see it. You're just not gonna see a an organization put. You, you
1: know, are you are big uh, for a girl. And, yeah. And I, <laughs> well, I,
2: love, I love I love my girls. I mean, I love all the girls students because when I started training, there was no girls, you know, and and, 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 and I loved having my daughter on the mats. But I especially love my, you know, 11, 12, 13-year-old girls because they're so athletic. Like, they move so well, and they learn jiu-jitsu so fast. Um, It's a sight to see for sure. It's exciting for me as an instructor. You know, and I've been around, you know, some pretty impressive people as far as martial arts, but, like, I'm always uh, excited and delighted to see the girls training. Uh, I do not want to see grown-up uh boys and girls compete against each other um i just don't think it's safe
0: i secretly enjoy when i see a video of a boy a a young boy and a girl fighting and the girl wins and the little boy cries Amazing. <laughs> I secretly, Rousey I secretly enjoy it as the father of two girls. Uh, oh, you know, I, <laughs> I'm like, oh ah. R- Ronda Rousey against <laughs> Gordon. <laughs> no way. No, never gonna happen. All right. So that's the end of our. Th- those are our listener questions. So now we're going to do something called the drill down.
1: The drill down.
0: <laughs> more trouble. Yeah. So these are these are uh, questions that we ask. Just about every guest, uh, usually a variation. I switch them up over time. Uh, but this uh, we'll ask these and then we'll wrap it up. Uh, so your preference, gi or no gi? No gi. No gi always? For me. For, me. for Not you. Best, for okay. Me. Yeah. Uh, Takedown or pull guard? Takedown. Yep. Favorite submission? Guillotine. Music during rolling? Yes or no? Never. Old school. No, no okay. music. No music. In your in your I schools. Even,
2: I don't even listen to music when I run, man. That's yeah. my that's my time to be in my head. So if you like to you, mental, you in your classes,
0: thing. there's no music on.
2: Not if I'm around. They yeah. usually put
0: music. On, not the that <laughs> I the <laughs> other the other day I got to I got I I really try not to be late. I'm not like uh like trying to skip warm up sky at all. Uh, that we were talking on the last episode. I want to be the black. I want to be a black belt that does the warm ups with my, with my uh, fellow students. Um, I showed up to class. We we usually have the music on low in the background, and I showed up. They were already drilling. I jumped on the mat, and it was you could hear a pin drop. It was really quiet, and I asked somebody. I'm like, did I miss something? Is the code? Is Professor angry or something? Because it was, there was like this weird vibe because he didn't have the music on. I'm just so used to it, and usually it's like really low if it's even on during during uh, instruction. And then if we're gonna drill, then uh, excuse me, if we're gonna roll, then he throws it on and, and maybe blasts it. Especially on, we we're open seven days a week, so it's Saturday Sunday open mats. So on Saturday and Sunday, it's always on during the week. Maybe not so much, but again, it was it was weird to walk in and it was it was silent. I was like, it was like going home as a kid and mom and dad had an argument before you got home and it's just dead silent. No one's talking to each other. That's what it felt like. It felt super strange. It was crazy.
2: Listen, I don't think there's a wrong way to do it. I have my, my reasons for, for not liking music. I just, in general, don't like music Uh, when I'm you know exercising. Like I said, I don't even run music. But like Frankie Edgar, whenever I wasn't around, like if I'm out of town or something, he'd be blasting music for practice. That's yeah.
0: for sure. <laughs> so what am I going to say to Frankie? No, you can't put music? Nope. That me, I, I, I do like it on. I, I, I like the noise. Um, I didn't realize, like uh if I wake up in the morning, I put the news on. I put music on. I put something on. I have a little tinnitus like ringing in the ear. And... If I don't have something on, all I hear is the ringing. It's low. I'm still, it's, you know, as I get older, it gets worse. But because of that, (laughs) my producer's making sounds over here. But I love to have something on. So especially when I'm, like, I'm just so used to There's Always got to be noise on. If I'm not, if I'm not, if I'm doing something, especially if I'm by myself, there's got to be background noise. Even when I'm working, something's on in the background. If not, I just hear that ringing and it, it gets overwhelming. So... I I, it. Get
2: it. I, yeah. I sleep with the fan on, but yeah. no music for
0: you. <laughs> fan. I, I'm fan, and I have <laughs> a little. My wife bought me this little white noise little uh, thing that I put next to the bed. So I actually, it'll be on until I fall asleep. It stays on for like an hour and a half, and then it goes off itself. So, so oh, 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 always some something going. All right, favorite competitors to watch. Let's get BJJ and MMA. All
2: right, so I think I think Gordon for sure for his skill. Uh, Gary for his athleticism, bro. I love watching Lucas Lipri. That dude is like unbelievable, just how technical he is, you know. And I think for sure,
0: back in the day, Hodger. Yeah. What about the MMA side of things?
2: MMA, man, my guys, man, Frankie, I think that, you know, some of the things that he did in the octagon, some of those comebacks, his movement, you know, his footwork, his toughness, his, you know, his grit were, you know, unmatched. Um, that's it, man. Just yeah.
0: Frankie. I'm a Frankie, fan. man, it, you know, Frankie, whenever you thought, like, you're going to, like, oh, you might count him out on this one, he always fucking surprised you, man. It was just a, just a beast. Yeah. I'm from New York originally, too, so I'm, like, a Northeast guy. So, yeah. no, you know, somebody from Jersey, you know, it's all my friends I when mean, I moved there, to Florida for all from Jersey.
2: I mean, there's some super fun guys to watch, like, uh, you know, like Habib, you know what I mean, just his dominance and, you know, him, like, talking to people outside the cage, you know. <laughs> he was talking one of my guys, and he was talking to me and Coach Mark. Like, <laughs> really? And he's like, yeah, don't turn your back. Yeah, he was talking to us, like, during the fight. It was crazy, bro. That's wow. how good he is. You know, John Jones, incredible to watch. You know, there's a lot of, like, really, you know. Oh, and then Rose Namajunas. She
0: is unbelievable. Uh, favorite female Rose fighter. She's my favorite female fighter. At when she, ever since the, when she had the face-off with, um who's the polish fighter what's her name Oh, uh, uh, joanna uh, joanna yanjacek when she had that face off and she was like doing like a hail mary like she was literally like doing the our father or the hail mary cuz she was kind of getting bullied the whole time yeah. through the press conferences from that moment I w- and and then she won that fight loved her she's just amazing i liked her before i remember her from the ultimate fighter that was the moment when she won that fight i was just like this is she this is awesome what a great story what a great story about like mindset and just like, she just blocked everything out. And then she went and won that fight. It was amazing.
2: Yeah. So how I found out that this girl was as good as she is. Right. Rose. So she, she won the first fight with Joanna. Right. And Joanna was super dominant and I hadn't really like paid attention and stuff. And we go to fight at the garden. I, I had one of my guys in the car. It might have even be Frankie. We did the Frankie or Corey. And we're in the same locker room with Rose, right? This is the rematch with Joanna. And I walk into the locker room and I know who she is. And I'm like, oh man, like this girl got lucky last fight. Like she's going to get killed. And I watch her warming up and everything this chick did was perfect. Like every kick, every punch, every dip, every slip, every block. Every movement on the ground, every takedown attempt, like everything she did, I was like, man, she's gonna beat her again, and then yeah. she went out and she beat her again. Shes
0: you know, amazing. She's,
2: she's incredible, man. like I'm a huge fan.
0: Love her with or without the hair. <laughs> <laughs> me too. So I just want to uh, next question is your ultimate goal in the world of jiu Jitsu. What would you like your legacy to be?
2: Man, I think probably a few more years. one thing I like to do is write a book,
0: okay. Um, you got some good this, Henzo stories I, I bet.
2: <laughs> yeah, I have this idea for for, you know, trying to visit a bunch of a bunch of schools and train with people mm-hmm. and you know, get my experiences and just sort of do a I don't want to say too much what my idea is, but I'd love to just travel the United States, go visit a couple of places and then just write what my experiences and observation was from each place that I go to train. That's you know, cool. kind of like uh getting my butt kick diary.
0: Yeah. I like it. Come you got to come pay us a visit. We're in Florida. You come down. If you come down to Miami, let us know. You come in house and we do another one. Yeah.
2: Just just mm-hmm. a sh- uh, quick, uh quick shot across uh what was it? 75 yeah.
0: Quick shot across. I don't yeah, yeah. All right. Our very last question. We, we call remember, this huh? the this is the most important question that anyone could be asked in the world of jiu-jitsu. Do you or do you not wash your jujitsu belt?
2: When it starts to get like a little bit beat up, I do, man. Yeah. Uh, but honestly, honest to be a hundred percent honest, like I don't train that much in the gi. Yeah. My belt never gets like you know beat up. You know what I mean? Okay. I have a training belt and I have a teaching belt. Like, usually when I train, like, I just put that to the side. But, yeah, I, I think, you know, if it gets if it gets wet enough so that it smells, you should wash it. Yeah. But definitely, definitely I haven't washed my belt as much as I have washed my geese. That's for sure. You my came you came
0: from an era. Practice. You came from an era where it was, like, where you told, do not wash your belt. You don't wash your belt. That's.
2: I don't remember. I mean, it, but man, like, honest, Like. Everybody says that people would just make those those uh, those lines and you know hit yeah. each other with belts. I never got hit with belts once. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I I think that, you know, people make up a lot of stuff.
0: How do you feel about those gauntlets? I'm not I'm not the biggest fan, but how do you feel about that when you see them online?
2: I mean, I don't have anything against it. Like yeah. if the school wants to do it, uh, uh you know, to me
1: it's just pointless. It's perfect. I think dating I'll, should I'll, be I'll like I wouldn't that.
0: do that to my students. Uh, <laughs> But I I, I, sometimes I watch it. It's there's always that one white belt that's like coming after the black belt, like you know, like really hard. I don't know. He's got vengeance.
1: Yeah, he's got. I think uh, I think we did it. We did it in my
0: first school. Uh, We didn't do it if you got stripes. You got if you got a belt. If you if you leveled up a a belt rank, they did it. But that was it. All right. So Uh, go ahead. Go ahead. I
2: don't think it's. I don't have anything against it. You know what I mean? Like it's like people do what they want to do. But for sure, I'm not. I'm not partaking in it as a, as a, as a belter or as a receiver, you know? Yeah.
0: If, if I was ever to be part of it again, I would definitely be the guy that's like taking it easy. <laughs> so, uh, professor, thank you so much for joining us and doing you. this. We really appreciate it. I want to give you a minute. to you have anybody you want to give a shout out to? Let's mention your, uh, your Instagrams mention the school locations, you know, what, any of them, all of them. Uh, this is your time.
2: Yeah. If you're up in New Jersey, come train with us. Uh, We're in Robbinsville, we're like Dead Center, Dead Smack Center in the middle of New Jersey, Dirty Jersey. And then all my guys, a bunch of my students, a bunch of my black belts have, have, we cannot throw a stone in South Jersey and not hit uh, one of my guys' schools. So we have a really awesome community there. So anybody that listens to this, for sure, those guys are amazing. You know, you're better off even training with them than with me. Um, (laughs) And then down here, you know, uh, in Lakewood Ranch, we just opened the school. Anyone that's down in Florida, if you ever visit, Come do some training with us. We still have mostly white belts, but I'm always down for some training.
0: And Instagram handle, your Instagram handle, you want to give that out? Or uh, maybe that be JJ. Okay. We'll put it on the screen as well. We'll put it in the description. So don't hang up. I'm going to come take a picture with you by the by the screen, but we're going to cut out here. Thank you so much for doing this again, Professor. Really appreciate it. Thank
2: you guys. Hope it was
0: good. Us.
1: Jiu Jitsu's favorite monthly subscription box has now joined the Jiu Jitsu Dummies Podcast. The BJJ Box is delivered to your door filled with premium jujitsu and grappling apparel, equipment, supplements, supplies, snacks, and more. The crew at the BJJ Box find the best in the world of jujitsu and guarantee every box to be worth more than the cost. Each box includes four to seven items you're going to love. Visit thebjjbox.com and use code JJD10 to get $10 off your very first box and give them a follow on Instagram at the TheBJJBox. Neutral Zone is Combat Family owned, so they know you need to keep yourself and your equipment clean. They created Neutral Zone Clean wipes and sprays for just that purpose. Neutral Zone products are formulated to reduce the risk of bacterial and fungal infections. Whatever's making you sweat, weight training, rolling on the mats, yard work, or just working around the house, Neutral Zone Clean wipes and sprays can make you feel and smell refreshed. Use code JJD to get 15% off your online order at NeutralZoneClean.com. While you're there, sign up for their newsletter to receive the latest info and updates on product launches like their new shower gel and soap bar coming soon. Are you neutral zone clean? Special thank you to the crew over at Flow & Roll for all their support. Flow & Roll is renowned for their incredible Nogi rash guards, shorts, and leggings. Flow & Roll has quickly become the premier custom apparel provider for academies big and small throughout the United States. Reach out today to discuss your custom order and ask about their incredible pre-order program. You can send an email to flowenroll at gmail.com or visit their Instagram at flow underscore n underscore roll and shoot them a direct message. And yes, they can create an awesome custom gi for your academy as well. Visit flowenroll.com to check out their awesome designs and while you're there, pick up a jujitsu dummy signature tee exclusively at flowenroll.com. And remember, you'll get 20% off your purchase of t-shirts, rash guards, or gis with code JJD.
0: All right, man. Super cool, right?
1: Very cool guy.
0: Great dude, man. I, I appreciate it. Very 90s. On so very much, 90s man. kid. Yeah. <laughs> you, you can tell
1: he's a teenager from the 90s. Yeah. <laughs> it was cool, too, because when I think about the 90s, I was in my 20s. Man, when I was a kid, my dad gave me a book about jujitsu. Yeah. I never told you this, but he gave me a book. I was I was young. I was maybe like 14, 15. Yeah. He gave me a book about jujitsu. And I kind of looked at the moves and stuff from the charts, and then I was like, that's funny that you say that, because back
0: then it was a book and pictures. Was
1: just <laughs> starting out, yeah. Like, I didn't realize. I, t-
0: I almost brought it up before. My my. Had uh, I gotten
1: into it then, I would have been at the beginning. Yeah. I would have been one of those people with the early the, days of Jiu-Jitsu.
0: Jiu-Jitsu University is one of my favorite Jiu-Jitsu books, and it has the pictures. It has, like, you're going to do this move, and it shows right. you foot. I, I learned that way. Like, okay, I could see the move, and I know most... But I'm like, where was his foot? Yeah. that That's the way how I, I need to. Great, I could do the move up here, but where was his foot? Yeah. How did he get leverage? Like, how did he do the thing? There's, you know, where are all four of your limbs? And I don't think a lot of people do that. I'm not saying that I'm great at the moves.
1: Yeah. Because
0: yeah. I have to practice just like everybody else. But I can't do it well until I see, okay, where are all four
1: limbs? That's why the videos oh. are great. That's why the videos are great. Yeah, because you like I find myself watching. (laughs) Yeah, I watch watch people grappling. Yeah, and I'm watching that. I'm watching where their foot positions, their arm positions, how they're leveraging their bodies. You know,
0: there's a lot of things with like lever. Like I'll see somebody like they post on their elbow. Like they they're on their back. Maybe they come up on the elbow and then they post up on the hand. Sometimes when you're watching a move from one side, you don't see where. Oh, he was on his elbow oh okay i see how he got there because then like oh i'm trying to sit up and i can't do this move oh wait a minute he was using his elbow oh you know, you, I know I it, really you know what really gets
1: me what i really enjoy seeing how how somebody turns a move around let's say they get grabbed from behind or something and how they flip that around and now they got the other guy grabbed. Like a counter a counter a Counter. but yeah. but those smooth fluid counters those yeah. that's amazing because to me once you're grabbed you're grabbed that's how uh, that's the mentality then that's, the kicks Yeah <laughs> that's where it's like okay no but very cool dude man and, yeah. and he's well spoken too you could tell he's speaking from his own game He's seen a lot man he's not he's not other it. people's games he's yeah. not referring to people he's speaking he's from his He's been in experience. the corner
0: for Frankie Edgar for Eddie Alvarez He's yeah. traveled with Henzo Gracie. To
1: to his kids, those people that everybody wants an autograph from.
0: Uncle Eddie <laughs> are like,
1: yeah, family. You know? <laughs> oh. That's a trip.
0: We'll uh, we'll That's leave cool. it there. Check us out at Jiu Jitsu Dummies for all the ways to watch, listen, and support. Um I am Uncle Milty BJJ on Instagram. Bo.
1: At Badworks, B A D W E R K S and right. and Minnie Miguel is <laughs>
0: It is JJD underscore DJJ69 on Instagram. So check him yeah. out as well. We should see him next week, right? Yeah. He's got a whole... Yeah, he
1: said his, his it, wife and his daughter are... are. His kid, his, his family kid is going away. For so a month?
0: He's not here today
1: because so he's, 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 uh, he's hanging out with his family. He's got four third days. He uh, <laughs> <that he laughs> gotcha. Gotcha.
0: Gotcha, Gotcha, gotcha Miguel. <laughs> we'll see you next week, at the week and the week up. after and the week after.
1: He set himself up.
0: <laughs> <laughs> All right, everybody. Thank you for watching and listening. Peace. Love Jiu-Jitsu.
1: Us. Us.